Hi, this is Amanda Marr, and you're listening to Life Giver. Welcome to the Life Giver Marriage Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm honored to share this journey with you. Close your eyes for a minute if you want to see the world. And that is the power of win-win. Before, it was me telling him to clean his room and him doing it because I said so. Now we're in a completely different situation where he is going to clean his room because he agreed to it. It was his idea by the end of it. And now he's being held accountable and he has to hold himself accountable. Welcome to another episode of the Life Giver Podcast. This is Corey Weathers. We're doing another episode on parenting. And um, this episode is live on Facebook. And so um, if anybody joins us, then we will have maybe some chatting back and forth about parenting and how we can parent better and easier and be more mindful and working with kids of different ages. Today's podcast, we actually have a sponsor for today's um, podcast. Um, Talkspace is making today possible. It's an online therapy option that allows you to work with experienced licensed therapists that are handpicked just for you for only $32 a week, which by the way is about the same if not cheaper than your copay if you're on TRICARE standard. All of their therapists are HIPAA approved and I've already talked with them and it is a legit awesome way for you to get therapy and so with Talkspace you can text audio and video message with your therapist as you need to using their app or using your device and um, we have a special offer for anybody who is interested in trying out Talkspace all the listeners of Life Giver they're giving you $30 off your first month by using the code LMS so you all you have to do is go to Talkspace.com forward slash LMS and sign up. It's a great way for you to get therapy and um, do it conveniently and do it a lot less expensive, especially if you have co-pays. And these therapists are um, are handpicked where you speak with someone and they work with you on finding somebody that's a good fit for you. And they're also specialized to work with military and first responders. So thanks so much to Talkspace.com for what they're doing to serve the military and first responder community and the offer that they're giving us. Again, you can go to Talkspace.com forward slash LMS. So today we are wrapping up the parenting series that I've been doing. We did one on working with um, small children, how to make your marriage great and continue making your marriage great even though you have toddlers running around. We did a great interview with Bina Patel on bullying. Um, Then we had an interview with Pam Brummett on um, teenagers. And so I thought today we would wrap up and do kind of a hodgepodge mix um, today for parenting where I can give you some of the thoughts that I've had on parenting as well as how you can apply a strategy that was um, designed by Stephen Covey on win-win parenting. Or It's actually not just with parenting. You can do this with any relationship. Um, but we're going to be talking about how to apply the win-win strategy in parenting with your kids. And I absolutely love this strategy. I do it with my own kids. I've seen it work with all ages as long as they can, you know, conversate. Um, I've seen it work great with teenagers too. So we're going to be talking about how to use win-win in your parenting and also a little bit today about um, teenagers. I worked with teen girls when I was at Fort Gordon in Augusta and had a, a season of my clinical time where I focused only on teen girls and it was an awesome season. 
I thoroughly enjoyed working with them. And so I wanted to give you some tips on what I learned in working with middle school and high school, especially girls, but I think this applies to even boys as well, and give you some ideas of how you can work with your kids, especially if you have military kids, on helping them um, stay motivated, helping them stay motivated in school, finding the right peer groups, all of that. So we're going to be covering that as well today. So if you are um, joining me, hi Heidi, um, I would love for you to just join in on the conversation and let's um, chat a little bit as we go through. And I think we'll have a lot of fun. So we'll see who's able to chime in on a Saturday. Who knows what you guys are doing. Um, This is apparently what I'm doing, Um, recording this again. So I have backup this time. So let's get started. I wanted to cover a little bit about how to do win-win in your parenting and any any of your relationships, really, because this really works for your marriage as well. Um, But it's, it's especially effective in parenting. And those of you who've been to any marriage retreat, some of you might even be certified in teaching Franklin Covey, Stephen Covey's um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families. If you've not been on a marriage retreat where that's being taught, I highly suggest it. It's a fun weekend. It's fun material. And I think it's um, it really works. And so Matt and I were certified to do this um, curriculum and and we loved it so much. We were like, you know, if we're going to teach it, we need to apply it to our own family and see how it works. And we have thoroughly enjoyed the impact it's had on our family. So I'm not going to go through all the seven habits, but I want to talk to you specifically about win-win and how it works. So when you're working with your kids, um, a lot of times, you know, there's a big struggle. There's a power struggle. And and for some reason, it seems like the firstborn, this may not be true for everybody, but it seems like the firstborn is that people pleaser. Um, sometimes a firstborn can be a little quirky too, I think, because um, they are getting all the attention and they're the people pleaser and trying to do everything right. And it seems like the next kid is the exact opposite of whatever that first child was. And so if, if you had the people pleaser as your first child, more than likely your second child was the one that's the nonconformist, that's stubborn, that's doing everything their way and, and fighting you on everything. Um, maybe those were switched for you and you had the stubborn one first. But for me, in my case, I had the strong-willed child second. And about the time when we're potty training and going through the temper tantrums, I was um, really, that was during our first deployment. And that is why I have a lot of gray hair and why I have to color my hair. (laughs) For those of you who know what that's like, because I felt like I was battling on a daily basis for simple tasks, especially when you have a child that um, is strong-willed. And that's a wonderful thing for them to have. It's a great characteristic, but it can make parenting very hard. So I specifically remember one day during the deployment when I felt like I had been losing all day with my strong-willed child. I felt like I just could not get a win and I was frustrated because I'm the parent, they're the child, it should be the other way around. But it seemed like I just could not get a win. And um, at that, by the end of the day, he and I had a 20-minute standoff over hanging his coat. And I know that that sounds crazy because you're supposed to do like two minutes for a two-year-old and, and time out, that sort of thing. But after losing all day, I needed a win, and that was going to be the hill that I was going to die on. And so, you know, a lot of times we have these power struggles, and it feels like who's going to win. And in that power struggle, you know, we're trying to win and eventually them lose. And in some situations, that is healthy and good. And I think it's needed, especially when you're dealing with safety issues. So for example, if I'm working with a toddler or even a teenager, right, this is all ages, and they want to go play in the street, I'm the parent, you're going to lose on this, 
I win. You're not going to play in the street. You're going to lose even though you want to play in the street. So when it comes to safety issues, I always, you know, we're always going to say it's it's going to have to be a win-lose thing. And this is great communication, great words for you to use with your kids so that they fully understand the dynamics of what's happening. So there's times when my kids, and by the way, I am not claiming to be a perfect parent. I'm not claiming to have it all together. It's one of the reasons why I brought some experts and brought some mentors into this series of parenting to fill in the gaps of some of the things that um, I haven't experienced yet. Um, But I will say that it seems to work very well when you're talking with your kids to be able to say, this is one of those things that I have to win on as a parent and you're going to have to lose. But I would always recommend that you um, decide and which which of those things to battle on. So for example, if your teen or tween wants to have green hair and you just don't feel like you can take them to church like that, that's one of those things that you have to decide. Is this something worth dying on that hill for? Does that have to be a win-lose battle? And I can't tell you which of those things um, to fight on. But I will say that if your child is always on the losing end all the time, you're going to see them push back a whole lot more than you want to. Now, I do want to give a caveat here is that I am not encouraging us to do helicopter parenting or the type of parenting where our parenting revolves around the child, where the child gets to make every decision and we respond to their feelings and their emotions all the time and not paying attention to what we should do as parents. That is not what I'm advocating. But there are times, especially as your child is growing up and getting into the teen um, years, that we want to give them a little bit more of a voice where they have room to test out their independence and their confidence, and then that's an important part of their development, and that we need to give them those opportunities. And the way in which we can give them those opportunities is by introducing them to this win-win strategy. So, If it's a safety issue, I tell my kids, this is something that's going to be a win and this is going to be a lose for you. And I'm very sorry about that, but that's the way it's going to have to be. Um, If it's an obedience issue, if they've been very disobedient or if they've been really breaking trust, right? That's another time that we say, you have been breaking my trust. You've been lying or you've been what, you know, you've been doing some destructive things. And because of your behavior, I don't trust you. And so this is going to have to be a win and a lose for you this time. But I want to make some ways for you to earn that trust back. So there are times in parenting where it's going to feel like a win-lose. But if they're always winning and we're always losing, then we're losing control of our ability to be an authoritative parent and be in charge and to um, have the respect that they need to have for us in order for them to um, learn how to add the, di- the healthy dynamics of working with an authority figure, right? That's important for as they go into the work environment. Okay, so let me um, give you a little bit better of an idea of how this works. I actually use this language and I encourage other parents to do this as well to actually use the win-lose language. So when I'm working with my kids, I do give them the opportunity to have a voice. If I'm asking them to do something, unless it's a safety issue or a discipline issue, that sort of thing, I do allow for some room for them to strategize or have a voice or if there's a very good reason why they don't want to do something, I give them a little bit of that room to have that voice because I have experienced in hindsight after making several kind of, I wouldn't call them mistakes, but kind of um, regretful thoughts that um, 
when there's been a couple times when even my nine-year-old has come back with a different strategy than I originally had that ended up being better. And if I would have just listened to his strategy or his reason, then um, it would have made the situation a little bit easier. So I tend to give my kids a little bit more room um, to, as long as they're not talking back and they're being respectful, to dialogue with me, especially if I'm asking them to do something. So um, let me give you an example of how this works. So win-win is... um, when I'm coming to them as a parent, I'm saying, okay, um, let's we'll use chores as a big example during this conversation. Um, and I would love for those of you who are tuning in to give me some feedback on what you do with your kids, whether or not you use the win-win strategy, whether or not you let people or let your kids negotiate with you on things and what things you let them negotiate on. Um, I think that would be a really great conversation for us to have. So let's use chores as a good example for talking this through. If my, if my kid has not cleaned their room in a really long time, um, let's say it's been a week and it's a wreck. Now, my firstborn, his room is always spectacular. And of course, my second, who's the strong-willed, it's the exact opposite. But we'll just use um, the example of my firstborn. If I go to his room and it hasn't been picked up or we need to clean out his room and I come to him and I say, um, I want you to clean your room and I want you to clean it right now. Well, unless he's earned that kind of response from me, right? Unless he's done some things to break my trust or if he's in trouble or something, he doesn't have any voice. And that is a win for me and a lose for him. Now, I give him the ability to come back and say, you know, hey, mom, I I respect that. I want to clean my room, but I have a homework assignment that is due tomorrow. And if I don't stay focused on that, then it'll be late and I'm really stressed about it. Well, I, that's why I give them that room to talk back, not talk back, but to give me feedback. Because now that I know that, I want him to want to clean his room. And I also want him to do well in his schoolwork. So he is able to say, um, if I clean my room right now, that feels like a lose to me and a win for you. So this is where we get, kind of get into a back and forth on negotiating. So, And this takes a little bit of effort for you as a parent to be willing to sacrifice a little bit of your standard, a little bit of what you ex, your expectations of what you think is right in order, this is our purpose, in order that your child feels motivated to do something that's been asked of them and that they are self-motivated to do it rather than them just doing it because we said so. Um, We want them to be motivated and be held accountable and hold themselves accountable to the chore that we're asking them to do. So at this point in the conversation, I can come back and go, well, um, it is important for you to keep your room cleaned up. I do value the fact that you want to have your homework done. So this is where I say, um, okay, well, um, it's Monday. And so for me, it would be a win for me if your room is picked up by tomorrow and I would like for you to pick up your room every other day. Now at this point he can say that still feels like a lose to me because right your kids are going to come back and they're going to go well you know I don't want to ever clean my room so that's always going to be a lose to me right. Well that's why you go back and forth. No your room needs to be clean and so it's a lose for me if your room is never cleaned. So we have to come up to an agreement where we have a win-win where it's a win for you and a win for me. So I might say I would like for you to clean your room every other day and if he comes back and says that's a lose for me I'd like to do it every you know three days a week Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Then whatever you get to eventually get to a place where it's a win for him and it's a win for me. Now 
I want to caution you on this part because I know that for some of you, it's really hard to lower your expectations and your standards and you wanted them to clean their room every day and now you feel like you're settling because now they're only going to clean it once a week. And I want you to kind of just be patient during this process because it will come back around and this is why. Let's say that he decides and agrees to clean his room Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Now, Wednesday, because this was a Monday conversation, right? Wednesday comes along and it's time for him to clean his room and he's not cleaning it, right? Because that's going to happen. So this is where I get to come to, him and come to him and say, hey, Aiden, you said you would clean your room Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It is now Wednesday and you haven't cleaned your room. Now, if he comes back and says, I don't want to do it or, uh-oh, that feels like a lose to me, right? That's not time for negotiation. You agreed this was your idea, your idea to clean your room Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you agreed to that idea. Now you have to be a man of your word and follow through on what you said you would be willing to do. And that is the power of win-win. Before, it was me telling him to clean his room and him doing it because I said so. Now we're in a completely different situation where he is going to clean his room because he agreed to it. It was his idea by the end of it. And now he's being held accountable and he has to hold himself accountable. So what we do in our house is sometimes when we have chores, we'll say, this is what we're going to do for the next week, or this is what we're going to do for the next two weeks to try it out. At the end of those two weeks, I'm fine to renegotiate, but you have to be a person of your word and try it out for those two weeks. Until those two weeks are up, we're not going to renegotiate because they've agreed to that, right? So now they're self-motivated to do the very thing that they agreed to do instead of it being... Um, you coming down on them and saying, I'm telling you to do this because I'm telling you to do it. So here's an example of how that worked. For my youngest, when we divvied out chores, um, emptying the dishwasher was a, was a chore that was a daily chore, something to do every single day. And so we did the win-win. He agreed to do emptying the dishwasher every single day. Um, and of course, three days into it, he was tired of emptying the dishwasher. It was getting monotonous and he didn't want to do that anymore. We had the conversation, we're, we're going to do this for the week. You agreed to do this for the week. We can renegotiate at the end of the week. So he did. He followed through the whole week. We sat down at the end of the week and I, I pulled up a list and I said, okay, here's some other chores that are daily chores that if you want to trade dishwasher for a different chore that's every day, then um, you may switch it if you'd like to. So at first he looked at the list and he said, I think I'd like to do um, pushing the laundry through every day. Now, as we talked through it, and I walked him through how to push through laundry through every day, um, he decided before he agreed to this completely that he was probably going to like laundry even worse than doing the dishwasher. And so ultimately, he made the decision to stay with the dishwasher instead of choosing this other chore. So in the end, even though he had the opportunity to change it up, when he was given the choice, he actually chose something that he was doing anyways. So that is the power of win-win, is your ability to give them that voice, give them the opportunity to choose something for themselves, and then they can hold themselves accountable on what that looks like. Now, to take that a, a step further, Stephen Covey introduced Green and Clean, and you can, it's kind of hard to find, but there's a wonderful video called Green and Clean. You could probably look it up on YouTube. 
where Stephen Covey talks about the power of win-win, where he was trying to get his son to water the lawn and um, came up with a win-win on the son taking care of the yard. And of course, there was a, a period of time where the son was not doing what he was supposed to be doing, and he was held accountable that this was what you agreed to do, and this is where, how you be a man of your word, and so many character growth opportunities in the win-win. Um, now, one of the things I loved about what Stephen Covey talked about was in Green and Clean, he walked his son as soon as they made this agreement on win-win, especially when it was a chore or something that um, needs to be done in a very specific way. He walked his son through, this is what green looks like, a green lawn. This is what it takes for you to have a green lawn. And so he walked his son through, here's how you do it right. And that's a wonderful teaching moment for you to go, um, okay, if we're going to clean our room, this is how we clean our room. This is what a clean room looks like. And when you give them that picture of what a clean, a clean room looks like, then they have the standard of which they're working for. And I love that because it gives you the opportunity to mentor and teach your kids in a way that's really powerful, in a way that can hold them accountable. They know the standard. There's no misunderstandings. There's no confusion. We've all agreed that we know what clean looks like. Okay, so that is the power of win-win, and I think that um, this is really powerful in marriage too because um, arguments and conflict tend to be um, a little bit, you know, especially when things get really heated, we're in a place where I'm trying to win and I want you to lose and so that the conflict is over, the argument is over. And whenever you get into a space where your conflict is becoming a win-lose battle, and I think that's why conflict doesn't really it doesn't end quickly, is that both parties are trying to win at the expense of the other. And so the power of win-win is being able to say, okay, um, I know I want to win here, but I, I don't want you to feel like it's a lose at the end. And what really ends up ending conflict and arguments is when we can pause and we can say, okay, I want you to feel like you're winning and I need to feel like I'm winning too. What do we need to do back and forth in order for us to both feel like we can end this with a win? And I think that's respectful. I think it's it takes listening skills. It, it requires us to stop thinking about ourselves and what's going on in our own mind and heart and listen to the other person to find value in what they're saying and what they're feeling and what they're thinking. And so the power of win-win gives you the ability to not always compromise, right? Because compromise is sacrificing a little bit of our, our own wants and desires. And that's really hard to do, isn't it? And there are plenty of times where it's good for us to compromise. But I also love the word collaborate because there are also opportunities where instead of us compromising, collaborating is when two parties come together and come up with a new idea instead of people compromising for the one idea, if that makes sense. So I think it's collaborating is awesome to do with your kids. It's wonderful and awesome to do in your marriage. Um, so leave some room for your kids to be able to have that voice. They may have a really great strategy for getting to clean the way that your clean is, but maybe it's a different way. Um, leave room for those conversations for collaboration to empower them and motivate them on an idea that was theirs that worked out, even if it's slower than yours or looks a little different than yours as long as you arrive at the goal that you both agreed on. And that's the power of win-win. So um, I'm hoping that that makes sense for you guys. I really want to know if you try it. Um, we've seen it do wonders in our family. There's a lot less fighting over chores. There's a lot less 
um, bickering. Um, now they still unload the dishwasher. Gosh, it's been like two years that they've been unloading the dishwasher every day. And there's no um, really fighting about it or pushing back on it. It's just something that we do every day. And they know at any point that if they didn't want to do it, that they have the ability, if they have a good reason for it, we're willing to listen. And I think that that is made for our home environment to be a lot healthier and a lot less tense a lot less stressful. So hopefully that works for you guys. Okay, so I wanted to take this other half of this time to talk with you guys about um, some of the things that I learned with teenagers um, and tweens. And so even if you have a young child, I think this is really helpful and important for you to think about and apply. Um, If you have been following the podcast, I did a podcast kind of way back in the beginning It was on um, resiliency where I challenged the idea of resiliency and instead I introduced Maslow's ladder, his hierarchy of need, as um, helping us understand, especially military families, how we um, are kind of looping in these needs every time we relocate. And so I want to revisit the hierarchy of needs with you but apply it to our kids instead um, on how that can really help give you insight into how your kids are doing. Um, insight into what you can do to help your kids if they're struggling um, and know which order to do things if they are struggling so that you get um, a a much better return or a much better self-motivating thing coming from them. So um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I will probably, I will, I will post a picture of the hierarchy of needs or if you're listening to this and you can Google it and kind of follow it as I go along, um, it's a really powerful thing to think about and apply to your life. Basically, Maslow said, you know, we all want to reach a point of self-actualization where we feel like we have a sense of purpose, we know who we are, we know what we're good at, we know how we want to contribute to society, that it's like this ultimate place that we're all trying to get to where we know our value, right? We're all trying to get there. Um, the All of us adults are still trying to get there, right? But that's the ideal of where we want to be. But what he was saying is that there's seven steps that we have to go through, needs that we have to meet before we can ever get to this place of having a sense of purpose and self-actualized. And so um, we can spend our time stressed out and worried about why I don't have a sense of purpose, but a lot of times we're not getting there because we haven't addressed something else that needs to be addressed first. So I'm not going to go through all seven steps, but I want to kind of introduce the first four really quick so that you can understand where you might be, especially as a military family, and also where you can kind of think about where your kids are um, in the hierarchy of need as well. Because I know for us as parents, what we really, really want is for our kids to see their potential and to find their value in the right places and believe us when we're telling them how valuable they are and how loved they are. Um, And it can be very very frustrating when they're in the tweens and teen um, time period of their life and they're not believing that or they're believing other people instead. So hierarchy of need, bottom rung is um, basic needs. Food, shelter, water, sex, sleep, those basic things that we all need. For example, when you move, when you relocate um, and you get into that empty house, I guarantee you the first thing on your mind is where are we going to order food from? Because we we may may not have pots and pans. Where are we going to sleep? Is it going to be on a mattress or an air mattress, right? We are thinking about, you know, is the water in this place working? 
So those are the basic needs. We can't, we're not thinking about where we're going to volunteer. We're not thinking about what our purpose is. We're thinking about what do we need to get through the night and make sure the kids get a good night's sleep and solving any of those first priority problems, right? So that's a good example of basic needs that we kind of forget. We reprioritize all these other things in our life until those needs are met. The second ladder is safety. And that that means emotional safety and physical safety. And so um, feeling like you're in a safe environment for those um, who've ever been in an abusive situation, that's why it's hard to think about what your sense of purpose is and plugging into the community and how are you going to volunteer and how are you going to do well in, in school or work if you don't feel emotionally safe at home. And so that second rung is extremely important that if you don't feel emotionally safe or physically safe, we can't go any higher than that. So basic needs first, then safety. Above that is love and belonging. Once we know that we are in a safe place and we have our basic needs met, then we start looking around us going, where can I get involved? Where can I plug in? Where can I um, find a sense of belonging? And that's when you find yourself going to maybe the unit's first opportunity to meet other families. Um, But that doesn't happen the first night usually that you get there. You're trying to get your family settled and then get into what the community is doing. And so those of you who are in these key spouse groups, FRGs, that sort of thing, um, it's a good thing for you to keep in mind that when a family first arrives, that's usually not the best time to ask them if they want to get involved or invite them to a meeting. That's your opportunity to send a casserole. That's your opportunity to make sure that their basic needs are met. And they will remember two or three months from then, once they're all settled and looking for that love and belonging, that you brought them that casserole and they're more likely to reach out to you. So keep in mind that they have to go through these steps before they're ready to plug in. Now, the fourth rung, and that's the last one we're kind of going to get to today, is that the fourth rung is this um, achievement, competence, um, need for... um, feeling like they can accomplish things, okay? So once you have a place where you feel like you belong and you know where you belong, then you can start thinking about how well you're doing at work, the quality of things that you're putting out, maybe things that you're thinking about trainings of how you can feel more competent competent in a certain area. But we're not thinking about those things if we haven't plugged in and, and know where we're at or it feels off if we try to skip that step. So... Let me apply this to kids um, because we are definitely going through that as military, military families for sure. The problem that I see is that we're looping in the, those four first rungs of the ladder. And that's why some of us are having a very difficult time finding a sense of purpose because we are looping over and over and over again. As soon as we find a way to plug in and we start feeling confident and competent to do what it is that we're doing in our current location, then we get PCS orders and we have to start all over again. Now, those of you who are seasoned families, um, eventually I think you start climbing the ladder a little bit quicker each time and we're getting a little bit higher up the the ladder um, as we go. So, but your kids um, are going through the same thing as well. And so they are needing to go through these steps as well. And for them, love and belonging is their peer group. It's whether they are around kids their age and what those kids say about them. Now, when we're talking about the influence of peers, I want you to think about, um, this was a great metaphor that I thought of for especially tweens and teenagers that I want you to think about with your kids. 
Um, if you have elementary school kids or if you've ever had elementary school kids, um, it's I don't know if you've noticed this, but they seem like they are just completely unaware of anybody else that exists around them. So they're at school and it just seems like they can't remember who they talked to that day. They don't remember who what mood they were in. They were very self-focused. And so it's almost like they're looking down. Um, metaphorically speaking, that they're looking down and inward and they're only thinking about themselves throughout the day. But then when you get to middle school, um, it's almost like they're starting to lift their head and realize, oh, wow, there are people around me. There are other kids around me. And um, that person's mood kind of impacted my mood today. And so they're starting to kind of lift their heads and be more aware of people that are around them and be drawn to the fact that um, everybody's world is impacting their world. So then when you get into the high school teenage years, um, again, we're kind of thinking through a metaphor here. Um, I want you to imagine that all of the peers, all the kids are around your child in a circle. Like they're surrounded by these this peer group in the circle. But everybody's holding mirrors. So when your child is looking around this peer group and realizing that they're, that they're there, realizing that they have influence on their day and their experience. Um, but when they look around at this peer group, they're also seeing the reflection of themselves. In other words, these teenagers are identifying and deciding who they are and their value based on their peer group. And so that peer group is very, very important. So when you think through these rungs of the ladder and you get to love and belonging, we as parents tend to focus on grades and achievement and competence and or or we're so focused on why don't they see their value? Why don't they know their purpose? I really want them to feel valuable and I keep telling them how wonderful they are, but they're only listening to their kids and why aren't they doing well in school? Well, if they don't have confidence in their place of belonging in their peer group, they're not thinking about their grades. They're not thinking about achievement and feeling confident in anything because they can't get past the third rung of the ladder of where they belong. And so I tell parents a lot, um, if your child is not doing well in school, socially or academically, we have to address the social network first. And then you're going to see the achievement, the grades, all of that follow after that. Then after that, then we're going to see later their ability to understand their sense of purpose and value. But those other needs have to be met first. So what that looks like, um, here's an, if you go back and listen to the podcast interview that I did with my kids, you'll hear my older son in middle school talk about a strategy that we decided to try out this time when he entered into a new middle school mid-year. Mid so he missed the first semester and jumped right into middle school. And I did this with the teen girls, and so I wanted to see if he could do it as well. Um, in the school, especially when you get to middle school, there's a lot of social rules that are in place. And the kids are the ones that are that develop those rules. So for example, let's say you have the the sports, the sporty group, right? And then you have um, another group and every, you know, you have these little social circles and social cliques. Well, if you feel like you fit into one group and then you try to go and fit in another group, that's why they get these looks. You guys all remember middle school, right? So you get these looks of like, you don't belong in this group. Why are you, why are you standing here right now? Why are you talking to me right now? There are these social rules that are developed for them um, that says you belong in this group, you should stay in that group. 
So what I did with some of these girls who found themselves in the wrong circles that were very destructive is I encouraged them to realize that they have control over setting the rules for their life and setting their social rules for their life. And so I encouraged them to spend a week just as an experiment um, talking to different people in different circles. Even and, and when they got that feedback of why are you talking to me right now, um, because it was a fun experiment and, bef- and because I explained to them that, that these rules are set and it's not that they're not liking you, it's just the fact that the rules are set and that's just what you do. You just follow the rules. And so we did the experiment just for fun. And so I had them throughout the day say hi to somebody that's in a different circle that they've never said hi to before. If they're really brave, <clears throat> they could um, sit with somebody different at different lunch tables each day. And what they were doing is deciding for themselves where they could place themselves and deciding for themselves where they belong. And what I found was remarkable because in one week, every time these girls did it, by the end of the week, they had an entirely new group of um, friends and a different support system that they started with. And they realized they didn't need that first group that was destructive, that they could decide who they were around. And by the end of a week and maybe two weeks, some of these other um, stronger, um, healthier kids were starting to come back and compliment them back or invite them to things. And it's just this child, this kid or teenager deciding for themselves where they belong. Following that, that's when we saw our grades going up. That's when we saw um, kids being a little bit more obedient and it was a lot healthier. So my son did this as well. And what, um, and it was really, we were really surprised. We were hoping it was going to work for him too. Um, And according to him, he's having a good time and he doesn't feel like he's kind of shoved into one group. He feels like he has lots of different people that he can go to. Um, And that's been really good for him. So as you think about, you know, working with your kids or working with other kids, if you start to see them really struggling, think about this ladder. Think about the right order to go through um, and try not to stress so much about the grades if they don't feel like they have a place of love and belonging. One other tip to throw out there that we have been doing, again, I'm, this is, I'm experimenting as I go too, but we have decided at this location um, that we've gotten involved in Young Life for our middle schooler. In middle school, it's called Wild Life instead of Young Life. And it is a Christian group, but it's basically like a local youth group um, that's run by a nonprofit organization called Young Life. And he has opportunities every week to get together with a large group of kids that are from his school so um, that are going to these Young Life events. And then he also has a small group of boys that he does like morning devotionals with. And the leaders of this group are some of the local college kids um, that are Christian kids that are just wanting to invest into other kids. And so what's that? what that is doing for my son right now is giving him an additional circle of people that are from his school that he is um, getting to know outside of school that are um, hopefully a little bit of a healthier group of people that he can turn to if he needs that support. Um, and, but it's part of the, so he has an additional circle and all of those kids that are at his school might go to school and have a lot of other circles that they're in, but he can go to them if he needs to. The other reason why we're choosing Young Life is because everywhere we're stationed, there's a very good chance that we can find another Young Life there locally. And even though it might be new leaders, 
um, at least it is the same structure, the same setup, and he knows what to expect. And those of you who are on installations, some of the youth groups attached to some of the chapels on your installations are actually run by Young Life. So definitely look into that if that's um, something that might be helpful for you. So that's about it. I just wanted to do kind of a, a hodgepodge of just ideas to think about as we wrap up the parenting series. Um, I have some wonderful things coming your way with the podcast. Um, we have um, a series coming up on senior spouses where I have some amazing interviews with some wonderful senior spouses that are going to give us some great wisdom on how to navigate this military lifestyle. Um, for those of you who are first responders, actually for everybody, but I'm also doing a series on first responder marriages and my, um, my, I know what's going to happen with that is, is everybody's going to see how much we have in common. And, um, and I think it's going to cause us to have a lot more empathy for each other. And so I'm very excited about another series that's just devoted to the first responder marriage dynamic and, um, and that culture as well. And so thank you guys so much for joining me on a Saturday. Um, I, I appreciate your friendship and your support, and um, I just care about you guys so much. And so also don't forget um, that today's sponsor is Talkspace.com. And so if you're looking for a therapist and you need somebody that is um, convenient and accessible, it's a really great way to go. Um, that is a, a new innovative strategy that is also very ethical. And so I'd encourage you to take a look at that. That's Talkspace.com forward slash LMS, which stands for Life Giver Military Spouse. But they'll give you $30 off the first month trying that. So thanks so much for joining me. I hope to see you guys next time. And we'll keep trying this Facebook Live and see how it goes. And, and as I get the technology down, I'll make sure I put it out more in advance where you know that it's coming. So happy Saturday. Have a great weekend. I'll see you next time. Would you like to send in a shout out and have it included on the Life Giver podcast? Anyone, civilian or military, can thank a military spouse who has made a difference in your life or say thank you to a service member for working hard on your marriage. Record your shout out by using your voice memo app available on your device and email it to Corey at CoreyWeathers.com or call in and leave a voicemail shout out to 706 706- Four three one seven two two two, and we will do our best to include it in future podcasts.